Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It's episode 133. I've Brandon and Jimmy with me here tonight. We've got the full podcasting crew. We still couldn't get Brent on. Maybe we'll get him on if Roma can can pull it out on Wednesday. But the three of us are back together after last week. Uh, we didn't have everybody here, but we are all here to preview the final against Sevilla, which is just a couple days away. So we're recording a little bit early this week on Sunday. So guys. I mean, we're excited for the final, but I mean, yesterday against Fiorentina I had to leave a little bit of a, a sour taste in your mouth, no? Yeah, um, it definitely did for me, I think, going into the match and then up until the point they started, uh, you know, crapping the bed as, as uh, you know, we, we thought they had purged that from their system. But uh, up until that point, I didn't really care about the result, um, you know, there was like a maybe a one percent chance if Milan lost both of their games or lost to Juve and dropped points against Verona and Roma won both of theirs, that Roma would have a chance to sneak into fourth. But that wasn't really a realistic scenario. So um, you know, up until that point, it was like, okay, well, they're going to have some momentum going into the Sevilla match, um, even though it's a heavily rotated squad. You still get some measure of confidence um, from the result, especially a, you know, a Fiorentina side that's not half bad, even though they're, they themselves were rotating. Um, but then they concede the equalizer and you're like, okay, that's annoying, but um, we didn't really expect to, to come away with all three points given the, the rotation. So that's fine. And then with the second goal so quickly after you're like, oh man, I, totally forgot what this was like um because under Mourinho they've so often just shut down shop when it's 1-0 and I think we lost you there Brandon well I guess I can start to come in as a bit of a replacement for Brandon if he's uh technical difficulties yeah, I was kind of expecting a 1-0 win, especially after that goal. It was a nice goal. Let's let's not distract the fact that they lost. You know, let's not that be a distraction um, for the fact that they had a quite a nice goal for that first one. Um, however, 
I'm not putting too much weight on this one. Uh, as Brandon said earlier, uh, it would have been nice to get top six, but if we're able to get the uh, Europa League final, that will be fine. Um, I'm like, we'll be fine if we're able to pull off the victory in the midweek. Of course, you know, it would be great to be going in there with a full head of steam after beating Fiorentina 4-0 or something like that. But just looking at how much there is no depth on display at the moment for the club and also looking at how many players were rested in anticipation of the Wednesday match, I'm not exactly shocked that they weren't able to pull this one off. I would also say, just as a side note, why the hell is the Europa League final on a Wednesday? You'd think that they would have that on a, on a weekend because isn't that what they do with the Champions League final as well? Like, in my opinion, if we're, if we're trying to figure out how to do this well, it makes a lot more sense to have a full week off for most of these players before doing a cup final as opposed to kind of this three to four day half break. Yeah, I guess that's part of just being the second tier competition, right? Um, the, the Conference League is also a Wednesday, but it's the following Wednesday. So for Fiorentina, they'll still have a match beforehand, but West Ham gets a nice long break before that match. So yeah, it, it's it's interesting the way they do plan out the finals. I understand why Champions League is, is a Saturday. It always it always has been from what I can remember, just to get those those ratings. I'm sure on the weekend you get the better ratings. EPL will be done, Serie A will be done, and, and all the other major leagues will be done. Um but yeah, one thing that was interesting to me yesterday, I, I know it's not surprising Roma didn't get the result, but what was a little surprising was the rotated lineup with some of the youngsters in the first half played, I think, mar- not not even marginally, like, I, I say by a pretty decent stretch better than the lineup in the second half as the regulars started being subbed into the match. I mean, you look at the stats from the two halves. In the first half, I, I know the possession was pretty much even. They were under 40% possession in both halves, but... First half XG was 1.21. Second half XG was 0.003. Like Roma did nothing in the second half. And Fiorentina's XG was all second half, 2.29. And they found those two goals. I know they weren't the prettiest goals, but like those lapses, like Brandon said before he cut out, they aren't mistakes that Mourinho sides have made all season. Um, Roma's pretty much locked it down. We've seen them in, especially the Europa League, but also in Serie A for the most part. I think the... Which match was it a couple matches ago? They gave up a stoppage time goal. Like the first stoppage time goal they gave up, I think it was the Milan one, the one that they actually went up in stoppage time and then then blew the lead in stoppage time. Up until then, Roma hadn't given one up in stoppage time. Both of these were were past the 80th minute, um, to be exact. What were they? The 85th and 88th. Um, so di- that, that to me was the disappointing part, was the way they blew it. Uh, it doesn't mean much. Like Brent said, they had like a 1% chance of getting top four uh, via the league route at that point. But the thing that had me a little worried, and we don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if UEFA would even let Juve into the Europa League next season with the point deduction and everything that's going on. But I don't want to slip to seventh and then they will. U- UEFA, for some reason, lets them in. And then Roma's back in the conference league if they don't win Wednesday. That that worries me the most. Like, I could live with Europa yeah. League. Like, this year they've played pretty decent sides. They've played teams dropping the Champions League. And they've, they've really proved their medal against some fairly strong sides, we can say. Uh, conference league is a different ball game. Like it was nice to win it the one time we won it, but you don't want to have to keep going back to the conference league and it's no knock against the tournament. Obviously we, we enjoyed winning it, but you know, our ambition now is, is I, I would say champions league and at, at worst uh, Europa league. So it brings us, we are going to weave in some listener questions to this one. And there is one I'm going to throw at you guys. And it's uh, from Costaba Harry Haran. 
Yes, why has the team looked so lifeless the last few matches? Even with the injuries and rotation, it just feels like there's no spark in the team right now. I mean, he's not wrong that there's not much of a spark. If I'm not mistaken, Roma is winless in their last seven or eight um, league matches. Uh, we've been able to pull it pull it through in uh, the Europa League, but beyond that, it's been pretty dreary watching this club. So I'm, I'm not going to dispute that concept. However, I am going to say that, not to beat the dead horse here, but Mourinho's comments throughout the year about Roma not having the necessary depth to complete on multi- compete on multiple fronts, that's what happens when you're trying to compete on multiple fronts and you have no depth. Um, just looking at that Fiorentina lineup, for example, the only guys that I can think of is that like out and out starters who were starting that match are Smalling, uh, Wijnaldum, and Wijnaldum hasn't even been a consistent starter this season because of his injuries, and uh, Zalewski. And Zalewski has been great, but as we've kind of said a lot before, he's playing on the wrong side of the field. He's and he's you know not really even a left back. Um, so the fact that we're playing in this way, uh, it doesn't shock me per se. Uh, Missouri, uh, all even I'm like, I'm sorry to Belotti, but like Belotti being in the starting 11, uh, Andrea Belotti is a shell of himself at this point, And we can't, I mean, like, I have to think of him basically as like a Primavera player. If he starts, I hope he impresses, but I'm certainly not accept, expecting it. So I don't think that's just excuse making there. I think we're legitimately just very short on depth. And this is what Mourinho was talking about when he said, if you're short on depth and trying to compete in multiple competitions, you're going to see some ugly football towards the end of the season. And let's just hope that that can be worth it or proven worth it uh, by Wednesday's match. Yeah, I completely agree with everything Jimmy said. I would just add that, yeah, this team is held together at this point by, you know, glue and duct tape. Um, And it's just a matter of crawling to the finish line. It feels like uh, one of those video games where you just get the prompt survive and then you don't really know what to do. You just have to last however long. Um, It's kind of what this team feels like sometimes watching them. Um. But for them, it's all about just accomplishing their objective, which is qualifying for the Champions League. And so that's why we're sitting through 90 minutes against Leverkusen away where we're digging our nails into, um, you know, whatever we're sitting on and clenching our butts for the entirety of the match. But here we are in the Europa League final. And as Jimmy said, it's all vindicated if they win it. Um so I think they're just conserving every, and especially the last few games, they're just conserving every bit of energy that they have left and trying not to get injured so that they can go out and win this final come, come Wednesday. And this yeah. might sound a little wild here, but I'm just going to note something that I didn't even re- recognize. For some reason, the end of the season is when there's the under-20s World Cup. So even the Primavera players that we're pulling into the senior squad right now aren't necessarily the cream of the crop. Like, I'm pretty sure that we told the under-20 Italy team, like, please don't put in, like, Volpato or Bove because we want to have them for our matches. But, like, Roma's best prospects are currently over at the at the U-20s World Cup, where, congratulations, they, they qualified for the round of 16. But if we're talking about 
being able to even have good primavera depth. I don't even know if we have that at the moment through no fault of our own, just through the fault of the schedule. Yeah, I know Fadi Conti is, is with the uh, under 20. I saw him for sure. I think he's been starting actually for the U20, which is great for, for Roma moving forward. I know he's pretty highly rated. But yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the lineup, right? And yesterday, one thing I, I did like, I thought the 4-2-3-1 looked pretty fluid yesterday, even considering you know not having many starters. You mentioned just a handful of them. I mean, you look at the starting lineup, when you look like at the team sheet and you're looking at the graphic, you see there's some of the numbers you see, it look like NFL linemen and linebackers. You have 59 Zalewski, 58 Missouri, 68 Tahirovich, 52 Bove. You know, that just speaks to how young a lot of these players are. I know players now will wear some of these like more random numbers, like with their birth year, like El Sharari with 92 and things like that. And Svilar wears 99. But when you see a lot of those numbers around the pitch, you, you just see um, how much turnover there was. But I, I did like some of the things I saw from the 4-2-3-1 yesterday. I thought they created quite a bit in the first half. Um when Haldum missed a couple really good chances, I thought in the first half that if Rome was up two nothing, I think that game's over. Um, late in the half, they had a couple pretty decent chances. I thought he was a little disappointing. I think you want him a little more sharp ahead of a big match like Wednesday. I know he's missed time, but man, if he could have gotten one of those to go, you're looking at two nothing and Rome maybe cruises. I thought Solbakken looked pretty good. I thought El Sharari looked looked sharp. He scored again. I mean. He was supposed to be done for the season. I guess that was maybe some of Mourinho's game of chicken he likes to play sometimes. But I, I thought those guys had good matches. Um, I think they they found a player in Solbach and on that free. I think he's going to be a useful player moving forward, especially if, if Mourinho's around next year and they go to a 4-2-3-1. I think he'd be very useful on that right wing. But you did mention Zalewski too. Like Yesterday wasn't even left wing back. Yesterday was left back, um, full-on left def- defender. So not the ideal role there. I know that's part of Spinazzola being hurt and Karsdorp being hurt and everything, but they're going to have to figure that position out a little bit, get some depth in there behind Spinazzola. Spinazzola is still here next year because like we've said throughout the podcast, that is not ideal, but I'm going to ask you guys. So obviously Matic is going to be involved on Wednesday. Obviously, you know, Cristante is going to be involved in the midfield, but if, if Roma does play, you know, if they don't have, Dybala from the jump, which it doesn't seem like they will based on all the comments from Mourinho. If, if they go with like three center mids with Pellegrini in support of, of Abraham, something like that, and and maybe, um, I don't know who if they would play Wijnaldum or, you know, El Sharari or whoever it is, would you at this point start Bove over Wijnaldum based on the way they've looked in recent weeks? I can grab this one. I think I would start Bove. Um, I mean, I, I have a reputation very well earned as a member of the play, the kids contingent. Uh, and we've gone through my reasons for believing that ad nauseum. So I'm not going to go into that here. What I will say though, is that in terms of who's actually been remotely informed over the past two months, it's been Bove. Um, he's looked good when he's been given opportunities and Mourinho strikes me as a coach who wants to reward good performances. Like we've never, especially this incarnation of of Mourinho, uh, the only times that I can can think of where he was not actively rewarding good performances was when he was protecting Nicolo Zaniolo through his poor form. That's really the only time. And beyond that, he defended players, but he will also start players who are performing well and send players to the bench who are. And... I mean, I saw a lot of comparisons of Wijnaldum 
to uh, Zaniolo himself uh, in the past couple of weeks in terms of kind of the promise of many of his attacking motions that then kind of just falls away into nothingness. I've been seeing that from Wijnaldum. I also, it, the rumor mill seems to indicate that we're not going to keep Wijnaldum, um, whether that's to sign Awar or Fratezi or, you know, there's a laundry list of other midfielders that we're looking at. Uh, simply put, especially if we think that we're going to part ways with Wijnaldum at the end of the year, I think that Bove should get the start. I think even outside of, you know, rewarding Bobe or confirming that you're not uh, continuing with Wijnaldum, I just think from a, a tactical perspective, you'll there's so much benefit to having Bobe um, next to Matic, um, you know, covering for him just because he can't move around like he's 24 um, and he's been playing a lot of minutes and uh, with the intensity of the final, you're going to need somebody like Bove who, who just has that motor in them. And then if Dybala does come on later on in the match, as we suspect will be the case, then you can throw Wijnaldum in. And we've seen in the limited action that they've played together, that they've combined well Um and so if you, if you need a goal at that stage in the match, um, you have yeah, you have those two right there to, to hopefully make something happen. Or if you're holding on to a lead, uh, you know, those are two players who can combine to hold the ball up um, and take more of that clock down. So I think any way you slice it, Bobe is probably going to get the nod. Um, I think it's well-earned uh, and, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully it pays off. Yeah, so let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll get more into the the final. We'll get to our preview. All right, so we're back from our quick commercial break. So, guys, let's get into the final. I know we we talked a little bit about Fiorentina match. We had to had to be said, but now the big match is Wednesday. So, just what are we about seventy two hours away? Under seventy two hours now from the time we're recording on Sunday night. So, to start, I'll give you some of the uh, the stats that Google gives you in the match preview. There's always some interesting thing, tidbits in there. So, Sevilla has now reached the final of the UEFA slash Cup Europa League, which it was renamed to for the seventh time, two more than any other club. They've won the competition every other time they've reached it, um, 2006, 2007, 14, 15, 16, and 2020. So they are pretty much the Europa League masters, as we've, we've heard before. We've, we've seen that. Roma will contest the final of the UEFA Cup slash Europa League for the second time, losing the showpiece in 91 against Inter of all sides. Uh, this is their fifth major European final overall. The 1961 Fairs Cup, 84 European Cup, 91 UEFA Cup, and then, of course, last year's Conference League. Um, the only previous meeting between these two sides in Europe was actually the COVID year, 1920, when they were in the Europa League and had to get restructured because of the stadium shutdowns early on in COVID. And Roma lost the, what ended up being a one-legged affair, 2-0. Uh, I believe it was a neutral site in the round of 16. And um, Sevilla's six titles that they've won in the Europa League puts them only behind Real Madrid with 16, Barcelona 12, Milan 9, Liverpool 9, and Bayern Munich 8 European trophies. Of course, that's any European trophy. So, um, And Italian against Spanish sides in European finals. Previously, 13 meetings. Spanish sides have won nine of those 13. So we're trying to buck that trend a bit too. They've also won the last three in a row. I know a couple of those were Juve losing to Real Madrid and, and Barcelona in the Champions League final within the last decade. So... That's just a little bit of it. So before we get into anything else, 
knowing all that, knowing how Roma's been playing and, and Sevilla's success in Europe through the years, how are you feeling heading into this one? Uh, do you really want me to answer that? <laughs> We've got the pessimist and the optimist <laughs> over here. <laughs> uh, I actually don't feel horrible. I think, I don't know, I'm kind of banking on uh, the fact that there's been some mind games afoot with regards to Dybala's health, and I'm hoping that he's fully fit to play. But then again, are you going to put all your hopes on a player that hasn't played more than 15 minutes in however long? So it's kind of catch-22 there. But uh, I don't know. I I have the ESPN uh, Plus package, so I watched a little bit of La Liga when I can, usually the big teams. But I was watching Sevilla versus Real Madrid at the weekend, which um, Madrid ultimately won. And obviously Sevilla is a quality side, we know, but I, I think compared to the opponents that Roma have had in the run-up um, to the final, I think they can cope with them equally well. But I think it's in large part to to who's available. Um, you know, if, if you have – Zalewski starting on the right side as opposed to Selic. I'm maybe a little bit more nervous. Um, obviously, if the ball is ruled out entirely, you get even more nervous. So it, it's, it's things like that that kind of sway me a little bit more to Sevilla. But I think, um, I don't know, it, it really is 50-50 in my mind. Yeah, I mean, here's what I would say. You sign Paolo Dybala for moments like this. You sign... Jose Mourinho for moments like this, right? Like that, that the crux of the project in the past couple of years, the, the full project under the freaking era has been, we're going to sign winners and the winners will help see us through in a more concrete way than even the Pelota era where, you know, we did sign players who had won before, like Edin Dzeko and Enrique Mkhitaryan and players like that. But let's just be honest, Dybala and Mourinho are on a, on a different level when it comes to winning than than the, the Pelota era signings in general. Yeah, I Dybala, agree. I mean, Dybala, that's... yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, even though Dybala didn't start most of those World Cup matches, or any actually, and even though he only came into the World Cup final at a very late moment, he was a critical element of that. And I think that's, again, that's why you sign a player like him when you're a club. You know that, worst case scenario, let's say that we're, down to the 75th minute, it's 0-0. If you sub on Paolo Dybala, you now have a better chance of winning that match than you did before. And you have a better chance of, if it goes to penalties, of winning the penalties. So that's my general take. That I think it it's relatively close to a 50-50, as Brandon said. I think that you got to put it in Roma's favor simply because I do believe in Mourinho's ability to get aside through a cup final. I believe in Paolo Dybala's just, you know, otherworldly talent, even if it's limited to 30 to 45 minutes of the match. My guess is he probably plays the second half. Um, and I also believe, quite frankly, this is something that we don't necessarily discuss that often, but Lorenzo Pellegrini, at least in cup tournaments, has built up quite a resume at this point. He's gotten to several um, semifinals. I believe this is, this is uh, he had his fourth or fifth semifinal. Um, this year in a European competition, which is no no laughing matter. And all the other play, like we have built up some form of winning DNA. Like maybe it's Roma's form of winning DNA. We can call it that. Um, 
over the past couple years that I don't think can be denied. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I watch La Liga every now and then. I would say that the gap between us and Napoli this season, for example, is smaller than the gap between Sevilla and Real Madrid and Barcelona. Um, I think that's just kind of the nature of La Liga. There are two clubs and then everybody else. And one of the reasons why Sevilla has been able to be so successful in the Europa League is because they know that the league is basically out of reach. So if they, they just throw everything they can at the European competition, which to be fair, that's kind of what we've done this season. I think it'll be an interesting match. I think my guess is that Roma pulls it off. Going back to the uh, Mourinho point quickly, I just quickly looked up the Sevilla coaches resume because I know that he joined, you know, midway through the season, um, helped pick them up when at one point they were uh, in the relegation zone. So, um, and a very experienced manager, but in terms of European uh, experience, there's not much to speak of other than the run that they're on now. So when you compare that to Mourinho's experience in finals throughout his career, I think that's such a huge advantage for Roma. Um, I think Mourinho is going to put them in an excellent position to win. And you hope his experience really shines through there. Um and we've seen up to this point that it that it usually does. So it's really going to be on the players to execute. But I think that managerial advantage is going to be uh, interesting to see play out. Yeah, that's that's my thing too. That obviously winning last season helps. And I know Jimmy made the point about bringing in winners. And that's why players like Matic were brought in, right? These are guys with experience in winning and knowing how to navigate these kind of tournaments. Serie A was a little more difficult for for Roma than we had hoped late in the season. But these guys are here for a reason, and Mourinho, I think, is is Roma's trump card if they can execute his game plan. Because like you said, the managerial difference is going to be huge in this one. We saw it against Leverkusen. He went up against his old pupil, Chabi Alonso, and, and his game plan worked out perfectly. And, you know, Leverkusen, like Jimmy and I covered last week, had plenty of negative things to say about Roma's negative play, as they called it, and not wanting to play football and all this stuff. But guess what? They didn't score a goal in two matches. So I do expect this to be a tight one. I am hopeful and I, I am feeling fairly confident because of what Roma's been able to accomplish over the last two seasons in Mourinho and the way he's been able to to navigate these matches. I mean, we look back to the Conference League final last year, it took one really nice goal from uh, Zaniolo uh, to get past Feyenoord. I think it could be a similar situation. But I think managerial, like, it, it just has a lot to do in ba- matches like this. And Mourinho's won tons. He's a serial winner when it comes to these things, right? And he had a he had an interesting quote during his they did actually his Europa League press conference I think it was like last Thursday and he was asked about the team and he said this is certainly not the strongest squad that I've ever coached in terms of quality but over the years you understand that the human factor is the most important thing and this squad is of the top in my career and I think we've mentioned it a lot on this show that Roma they they fight for each other they fight for Marino they fight for the crest. And they are a close-knit squad, and, and you see that. And I think that is a big reason why they're able to hold out in some of these matches where they look like they're outclassed, but they'll, they'll just buckle down and not give up a goal against Leverkusen where they're getting outshot and outpossessed and, and they're running on fumes. And I think that could have a lot to do with this match, Mourinho's experience, and then that, that camaraderie and that, that team factor. And I think if you're late in a match and it's 60th minute, 70th minute, 
and you are looking at a manager to figure out what's the the right string to pull in that situation between Mourinho and Sevilla's manager, I'm going to go with Mourinho every time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, if if Roma get a get a lead at any point, to me, you know, that's it. Uh, match is over. I'll knock on wood when I say that, um, and we'll see how it plays out. But I think the experience that they have, um, and you know, the togetherness that they've shown, they are not going to relinquish the lead uh, unless you pry it out of their hands. Um, if they concede first and have to chase the game, that's going to be a different proposition and one that makes me way more nervous. But um, from what we've seen, I think we can put our trust in them to the point that if they do get the lead, that they probably will see the result out. I think that's a big point. I think first goal goes a long way in this match based on the way Roma plays and and their lack of goal scoring, but their ability to defend. If they get the first goal, I think they put themselves in a very strong position. And I wouldn't expect the same kind of goals to be allowed that we saw yesterday on Saturday against Fiorentina. I think the focus and the, the commitment to getting in front of every ball will be a lot bigger for those players. The moment will be bigger, but I think you'll see a different kind of mental approach in the back, especially if Roma's up one nothing in the 80-plus minute. Yeah, they're going to be fully focused the whole time. Um, as we saw against Leverkusen, they have the ability to do it for the full 90. Um, and, you know, Abanez had that swing and a miss in, in clearing the ball um, on the second goal for Fiorentina but you'd expect him to, to be locked in having Smalling and Mancini alongside him. Um, will do wonders as well because we've seen that they're pretty shut down and the three of them play together. Um, so, yeah, I, I do expect some some improvement in the, in the focus department. I mean, my biggest prediction is that this match is not going to be pretty. Um, we're not going to probably see a 5-0 drubbing by either side um that's just like you know the epitome of uh, fluid attacking football no that's not what we're gonna see my guess is that it's gonna be either a very long drawn out affair that goes to extra time or it'll be a 1-0 victory for either side I don't really see as much as I think Paolo Dybala is a gifted attacking player I don't really see him racking up a bunch of goals while still coming out, out from under an injury spell uh I also think that you know there's just enough question marks around the health of the squad overall that this is not going to be like a big win on the flip side i think that what you said steve about uh mentality is important here too i don't think it's going to be a big loss either i think that it's going to be a pretty gross match um that will end one zero either way um i hope that it's roma winning it because if they do our summer gets a whole lot nicer um there are just a lot of players that we can get way more comfortable reaching out to to say, Hey, we'd like you to join us. Um, and, or players that we can just, you know, sign, like, let's talk about Leeds for a moment. Leeds, uh, officially is going to be relegated to the championship. Mm-hmm. I would be very interested in seeing if we could snatch, uh, Wilfried Nanto, uh, from them. I think that that, that could, if we're talking about needing to develop attacking depth, which we definitely will, regardless of whether who we keep from our current striker depth, um, he could be a really great guy to add. Um, and just in general, it's going to be 10 times easier for us to sell Roma as a project if we're able to say, two years ago, we won the Europa Conference League. This year, we won the Europa League. We're going to be in the Champions League next season. 
And we've got the likes of Paolo Dybala and Jose Mourinho leading the way. Are you in or are you not? And I think that I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the free agent signings that we've seen as like reported to be completely complete, if those are hinging on Champions League qualification. Like I would not be surprised if the hour and Dicka signings are hinging on European qualification. So life just gets so much easier for Roma, for Roma management, for Tiago Pinto, though. There have been rumors about Tiago Pinto going to Tottenham um, that uh, life just gets easier if they win this Europa League final. And I'm pretty sure that they have what it takes to win it. Yeah, you, you mentioned ugly, right? Ugly. And I think ugly favors Roma in almost any match they play. There's not many teams that could play as ugly as Roma. Like I know before when we were in the semifinals, we were talking about a potential Roma Juve um, final. We were like, wow, that could be real ugly. Like that could be like digging the heels for 120 minutes and (laughs) there might not be many shots on target and we might be going to PKs because those teams can really play ugly. Like it took a really good goal for Mancini the last time we played them. I think Savi is going to try to play a little more open than that. Um, but we ha- we have some other listener questions and comments heading into this one. Uh, I'll just read out one of the comments that we had on Twitter uh, from John Habs. He said, I'm petrified about what happens to this team if we lose. So we, we do have some people who are a bit worried. AS Roma Fan 6, who's a frequent uh, contributor when we ask for comments and questions, he said, my concern is that if that Roma doesn't win, Mourinho will not return. If they win, he will be back next year to manage Champions League. This is such a huge match for Roma. I don't want to start over again next year with anyone other than Mourinho. That is a, a certainly a looming question, I think, hanging over the squad is does Roma need to win to keep Mourinho around? So we had a, a couple other people ask about the Mourinho situation. In your opinion, do you think Roma keeping Jose Mourinho around next year hinges on winning this match? I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Uh, there was a rumor that Francesco Totti started himself basically saying, like, Mourinho, I think Mourinho's already made his decision on whether he's going to stay or not. If there's, there are a bunch that he's been bandied about for SG or Brazil or UNE, what, what have you, that I don't think are the right fit for him in terms of both the management of person. And the expectations. I, I just, I think that we often forget that, especially for coaches, but for anybody in any situation. I think we lost you, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> that means you're next, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so what, what would you say, Brandon, <laughs> on the Mourinho situation? Yeah, so I'll. So uh, Roma would love to keep him either way. We know that. Uh, so it's for all the plaudits that Mourinho has gotten for being very successful in Rome, which he has been. Uh, I would say that I don't know if that happens if he just stays at Tottenham for another season, or if he goes to I don't know Manchester United or Inter. Feeling on it is that there's a match between manager and city and club right now for Mourinho. I think we lost. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can jump in, Brandon. <laughs> so, I don't know what's going on tonight. <laughs> Just stick sorry, with us. Sorry, <laughs> folks. This is not the norm, as, as you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I think ultimately, though, it, it does depend on winning and qualifying for the Champions League. Um, 
that Jimmy, before he cut out, mentioned Brazil, PSG, I think. Um, obviously, that's in you know very contingent on what uh, Ancelotti does. Um, or, you know, Madrid could decide to sack him and then there you go, right? The Brazil job's taken. Um, I don't know that they would go for Mourinho um, should Ancelotti rebuff them because they usually tend to to go with a Brazilian coach um, and Ancelotti appeared to be the exception to that. So we'll see, we'll see how that plays out. And then with PSG, I think it just would be a difficult fit. They're going to lose uh, Messi. They're looking to ship out Neymar. So you do have a team that's going to be built around Mbappe, which is, you know, any team would kill to do so. Um, and then you see how the rest of the team is structured from there. But then, with all the pressures that come with that, is that something that Mourinho wants? Um, and then going back to the Brazil gig, if uh, Ancelotti does go for that, then Real Madrid's right there. Maybe they come calling. So, but I think all of that aside, up to this point that he's shown a willingness to commit to Roma as long as they continue to progress. So I think that uh, there's no doubt in my mind, should they win on Wednesday, that he'll commit for the duration of his contract. Maybe he does leave after that, but um, the first step is to win on Wednesday. Yeah. I won't say much on it. I, I do agree with that last point though. I think if they win Wednesday, I don't, I don't see how he could leave with uh, the way things have progressed in Rome. I do worry a bit if they don't win that he could be going elsewhere and then Rome has to kind of start over again. And we'll talk about that in just a second. We'll take one more quick ad break and then we will continue with the discussion. All right, so one of our uh, more entertaining questions, uh, no toti, no party from the message boards, listens, and obviously uh, was listening last week when he said, well, since the last podcast sounded like we already won, the EL and Matt uh, is a magician, and anybody who actually likes attacking football is lying to himself because winning stuff is better. He said it was a bit over the top for him and with a winking face. He had a couple questions in regards to that. He said, what if we lose the EL final, which means we didn't win anything and didn't qualify for Champions League? Is it then not worst of both worlds, not winning anything and playing extremely defensive football with almost no goals and no attacking? Also, did Mourinho fail if we lose the EL final and end seventh or is reaching the EL final enough to call it a successful year for us? Um, and then why is it now suddenly you guys sound like you can't win anything if you attack a bit more? So uh, you can certainly win if you attack a bit more. My my point last week was I'd rather play ugly and win than play beautiful and, and lose. And I think, Jim, I think that was your point too. But I think the, the most um, interesting question there to me, because this is something that I think a lot of people will ponder, is if Roma does lose, doesn't qualify for Champions League, doesn't get a trophy out of it, and finishes sixth or seventh, depending on how things go the last match week with them and Juve, is, is it a successful year? Is it a complete failure? Like, where, where would you rate the season at that point? I would put it somewhere in between. I would say it was, like, disappointing, but not a complete failure. Uh, for the reasons that we've talked about already with the sheer lack of depth that this side has. Like, I think that there's a lot in terms of mentality building that should be really commendable from this season. Uh, there's also a lot when it comes to player development that's commendable from this season. Like, Nikola Zalewski is now a full-fledged starting 11 member, and I don't think that's going to change. Ditto with Eduardo Bove. I think that starting in the fall, he's going to be like a consistent part of our midfield rotation. Those are things that we can be happy about, even if we win the Europa League, lose the Europa League final. I would say also more broadly that not to sound like Giannis when he said like 
losing isn't like losing isn't final or whatever however he framed it but it is really good to get these experiences in um it really is for a side like roma to get to a final at all um i think that we've kind of forgotten that for about a decade before roma won the europa conference league final it's not like roma was getting to like the champions league final or the europa league final and like losing in a heartbreaking fashion they weren't getting that far they just weren't and like we can quibble about whether that was happening in the champions league or the europa league it was happening in both to be quite frank that this team had talent and then would usually lose in the quarterfinals or the semifinals because there was a team that played better than them. And at the very least, we can say with this one that Roma got to a final and that Roma had a chance to get to the Champions League. I don't really believe that playing beautiful football or giving up on the Europa League or anything like that would have actually guaranteed Roma a chance at top four football through the league this year. If you look at the results over the past couple of weeks, even if Roma had won every single match that they played, they would still be out of the top four at the moment. So, you know, there's a lot of different things that I would say are frustrating about this season. It would be even more frustrating if Roma doesn't win the Europa League. However, I don't think that that means that this season is a failure if Roma doesn't win the Europa League. But I also do think that they've got a good shot. So, like, let's not get too down in the dumps just yet. If Roma are in the Conference League next season, this is a huge failure. I cannot watch them play another second of Conference League football. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating a bit there, but I do think that, uh, well, I wouldn't label it a failure so much as as Jimmy mentioned, you know, a, a frustrating season one with a lot of regrets, a lot of what ifs, what if Dybala had been a little bit more healthy in the tail end of the season. Um, but as the point was made earlier, Mourinho has been saying all season how difficult it is to ju- juggle three competitions with um, the level of depth that Roma have. So it might've been something that was unavoidable unavoidable with the injuries and it would have been somebody else that went down if not Tavala. So um yeah, it kind of is what it is there, but it it definitely be a lot of what ifs. And um but uh, to that point as well, I think the fact that they make a they're making a final is you know, a success in and of itself. Um after they won the conference league last year I jokingly might have mentioned to you guys definitely thought to myself you know what if they go back to back to back and win conference league europa and champions league and they actually have put themselves in a position to get you know uh the second stage of that completed um and then you can really dare to dream i guess is improbable as that would be um so yeah it's it's really you know as most seasons are, take the good with the bad. But I think ultimately if they lose Wednesday, you, you look back and it's more of like a, a what if. Yeah, I agree. I, I wouldn't call it a complete failure because you did make a, another final and you got through some tough squads to get there. You fought through injuries and everything. From a league perspective, I think finishing seventh place with no trophy would be a failure. And like Brandon said, I can't watch them in the conference league again. I don't know if that would happen because of the whole Juve situation, even if they finished seventh, but 
it does certainly put a damper on things if Roman doesn't win. Now, if Roman wins, it's it's a successful see. It's it's funny how it can uh, be construed <laughs> so much, right? Just because you win a trophy, but it's so big for a club like Roma to win a, a Europa League trophy now, and then you also get the Champions League to boot, which is which kind of makes up for the the league form, especially in the last month or so, a little over a month where they have dropped I think seven results in a row, like Jimmy said uh, earlier on. It just changes everything, and then it's a success because then you look at the roster construction, like wow, how did Mourinho do this two years in a row with? this group of players and, and it really is it's like it's like a razor thin margin for like what's a success and what's a failure and i think it's a matter of interpretation of what expectations are from from certain fans i do think jimmy mentioned the player development for certain players like bovane zalewski is very important uh i think it also depends who sticks around if roma doesn't win the final and they're back say in the europa league again does dibala stick around another year does Mourinho stick around another year um, some people might not want Mourinho to stick around another year if they don't win. That, that's, I think, a matter of different people's opinions based on his style of play. Some people would rather Roma play a little bit prettier football, I guess. Um, and again, that also was part of the question was, do you have to win ugly? Like, if Roma doesn't win and they've played so ugly for so long, is it worth us sitting through matches like yesterday and some of the other ones we've seen in recent weeks where they haven't won and played ugly? So I, there, there's a lot of things. I think it's really, you could ask, 50 different Tifosi and you'd get a, a pretty big split of opinions. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I know we had a couple other questions about who would, what we'd want to replace one. One was thrown at us and we won't spend too long on this because it's a lot of hypotheticals, but uh, Flesmith asked in case of the lost final, no Europe, would you hire Daniela De Rossi and trim the squad, giving him whoever affordable he wants to me? I don't think De Rossi is ready for it yet. I think Rome is such a difficult place to to manage in and to play in. And he would have a longer leash than a different young coach, but we've seen what what's happened at Milan with some of their stars of the past, like Inzaghi and Seydorf. And, and I wouldn't want that to happen to a, a legend like De Rossi. So early in his managerial career, we saw he didn't last long as Spa this year. I do think he needs a, to cut his teeth more. I don't know if you guys feel differently, but I just think he needs a little more time before he's ready for a stage like Rome. Yeah. I would say that not every manager player manager is going to be like Zidane. I think that uh, it also helps to be training Real Madrid, who have seemingly unlimited money and a great youth system uh, and the ability to sign the best Brazilian player every two years, seemingly. Um, I want De Rossi, if he wants to be a manager, to be successful. I don't think that throwing him into the fire that is Roma too early is the way to make De Rossi a successful manager. I think that one of the underrated reasons why Mourinho has been successful in Rome is because he can handle the media in his own way, but he definitely can handle the media. And if you look at how a lot of other managers who haven't been as successful in Rome as Mourinho have fared with the media, there's usually some moment where it's very clear that he they break, whether it was Rudy or whether it was just about any other manager, even Di Francesco who got to a Champions League semifinal uh, broke from the pressure of the Roman media after a certain point. And I don't want De Rossi to break so quickly into his managerial career. And I don't know what he would do next. Like, he would go on the Pirlo path, basically, right? If he came to Rome, was not very successful, and got fired. Like, he would go to Turkey. Or he would go yeah. some like to MLS. Or, like he, or he would literally be like Rooney in at DC United. Um... Like, that's what would happen, and I'd rather he not have to do that. I'd much rather him slowly but surely build himself up so that his 
actual CV as a manager is worthy of managing Rome. Honestly, for me, I know it's easier said than done, especially if you don't have Champions League football. But if Mourinho leaves, I really don't want to see Roma under anything other than a top-level manager. Um, based on the experience that we've had under Mourinho, it's it's been night and day compared to the managers that Jimmy just mentioned. And I know under Spalletti, Roma had their highest ever points total. Um, and, but as he's shown with this uh, Scudetto win with Napoli, um, he's also on that level, that top tier level of managers who can get it done. Um, so to go down to De Rossi at this stage in his career is not something that I would be looking forward to. Um, as Jimmy said, you know, he has to cut his teeth a little bit more and um, there's also going to be managers out there that can, even if they're not at the caliber of Mourinho, if you can't bring in Conte or persuade Deserbi to leave the Premier League, um, I think there's, you know, there's plenty of managers out there that are shade below that you could look to to kind of soften whatever quality blow that you lose from losing Mourinho. Um, when we were talking about earlier about how the, the experience of this final, no matter which way it goes, will benefit the team next season. To me, I think that depends on who the manager is. If it's Mourinho and he sticks around, sure, yeah, they're going to benefit from that. But if, then if it's a manager, a project manager who doesn't have a ton of experience, I don't think that ex- the the experience from uh, the trials and tribulations of this season is going to uh, you know propel them to grow like it would under a manager who can get that out of them. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You, you you do want to continue that top manager kind of progression and and building that that winning winning caliber mentality and all that. And it'll be interesting to see. This is certainly something we'll have to talk about on a future episode, depending on how things go and and if Mourinho decides to come back or not. And they're they're back in the coaching market. We'll see. Um, there was a, uh, one more question based on qualifying for Champions League. Uh, Char forty seven. As if Roma wins Europa League, how much money are we looking at realistically, including potential sales, and how would you spend it? So I actually pulled up a couple things here. Um, Sport News posted this at the beginning of the season with Champions League revenue and and Europa League revenue, and it's interesting. The Champions League prize money pot is two over just over two billion dollars, two billion euros. Uh, Europa League winning pot is 465 million and the Conference League is 235 million. And that's all divided. That's what we know. Roma didn't get a huge windfall last season from the Conference League. This year, if they win the Europa League, they'll get 15 million for um, in the knockout stage, um, the winner earns. So Roma will earn about a total of 15 million from those, um, a couple million from the wins in the, the group stage. So not a huge amount of money. But if they qualify for Champions League by winning, so this is how they allocate that money this season. So for Performance-based prize money in the Champions League is 55% in this year's tournament, um, with the winner earning a maximum payout of 85.14 million euros. So just winning is a 20 million dollar, 20 million euro prize right there, reaching the finals 15 and a half. So at Inter, for example, is going to get at least 15 and a half million euros for just reaching the final and playing the final. Besides getting all the other prize money in the earlier stages, um, reaching the group stage is 15 million euros right there. So if Roma wins the group, makes the group stage, 
doesn't win a single match, they're looking at at least 15 million euros next season just for making the group stage. Um, every draw is worth just under a million euros. Every win is 2.8 million euros in the group stage. So say you can win a couple of those matches, you're looking at another almost 6 million euros, right? Reaching the round of 16, for example, is another 10. Quarterfinals about another 10 just to, to go down the list. But this is where the, the money also gets intriguing for a club like Roma, who ha- does have those FFP regulations. Um, the coefficient payout. So there's this season, there were 600 million euros paid out to all 32 clubs based on their 10-year coefficient. Um, prior to this season, Roma is a 20th ranked club in UEFA based on 10-year coefficient. But you'd be removing the uh, 12-13 season where Roma didn't participate in Europe. So that's a, that's a lost season in terms of points. Um, and just listen to some of the teams ahead of them. I'll go down the 19 real quick. Real Madrid, Bayern, Barca, We'll all be there next year. Juve will not. Chelsea will not. Atletico will be. PSG will be. City will be. Liverpool will not. Um, if Sevilla loses, they won't be. You, Man, you will. Dortmund will. Um, I don't know what the Portuguese final standings are going to look like, but Porto and Benfica are both ahead of them. I think they'll both be there. Arsenal will be there. Um, probably Ajax. Probably Shakhtar, but not Tottenham and not uh, and Napoli will. So you're, you're cutting out at least five teams there. So we're almost somewhere in the middle of that pack. Um where the top team would get 36 million for being in it this year, the lowest would be 1 million. So there's maybe another 15 million for Roma. So just looking at in terms of the UEFA money, I mean, Roma's looking at just by getting there, probably close to 40 million euros based on broadcast and all that other stuff. So there's going to be money to spend and every win is going to get you more. And I think in terms of transfers, we talked a little bit about last year, maybe Ibanez goes or maybe Abraham goes. We'll have to see. But you have to think from Europe, at least 40 million euros next year, right? If they qualify, that would be my assumption. I would also just caution all listeners, but especially the club that I love so much that spending money before you get it is never a smart idea. Uh, and as much as we can like look out and say like, oh, Roma could get a, basically three three million euros if they win one group stage match, like that's fantastic. Sure, great, but like at the same time, I real I'm confident, and I really, or at least I very much really hope that. Roma won't be banking on Champions League success when it comes to who they sign this summer. I think that they can bank on the money that they know they'll get, but anything anything being spent that doesn't just think like, oh, we're going to flame out right out of the group stage if they make the Champions League would be a mistake. When it comes to who, uh, I guess my main priority is getting a midfielder. After that, my main priority is getting a goalkeeper. And after that, my main priority is getting a forward. Um, that's assuming that our fullbacks are healthy. That's assuming that we don't make any major sales. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we sold Roger Ibanez. And in that case, I would imagine we, we would either bring in Indica as a replacement or, you know, we would find somebody else. Uh, ditto with Tammy Abraham at forward. You know, if you lose Tammy Abraham, that's disappointing if he's been this season. You got to find a replacement for him somewhere, uh, whether that's, you know, someone more experienced or someone not. Um, but in general, I think that we're probably going to see a bigger budget version of what we did last summer, which is exploit free agent signings when we can, whether that's Awar and Dika, you name it. Uh, I would imagine that we'll try to shore up places when we can. But if, you know, if someone tears their ACL, we'll have to sign a right back or we'll have to sign a midfielder or however that goes. So I think that as much as we can hope that there are no injuries that derail our transfer plans, it wouldn't be a Roma Roma Mercado without that. So that's my general thought that regardless of how we go 
move forward in the Europa League final. That it's going to be largely funded by free agent signings and maybe one or two big money signings um, using whatever money we have, whether that's a midfielder, whether that's a striker. Yeah, if they get that Champions League money, I think you definitely have to do one or two big um, money signings. I think the focus then turns into the league and improving your position there, consolidating fourth on an annual basis. And um, if you get the right people in, maybe even challenge for the Scudetto, um, which will be the new challenge for Mourinho once, once we get back in the Champions League because... You know, let's be honest, the goal is never going to be to win it um, and, unless you get some, uh, you know, city city PSG money um, behind you. You're really not going to take that leap. Um, so the, the focus is going to be on the league. And I think as currently constructed, they're not – you look at the lineup and you, you definitely would think, okay – probably could do more than two if we're if we're being honest but definitely one or two need to come in that will instantly slot into the 11 um but that's exciting because you know then we're going to get linked with the whole host of players that we didn't think that um would be open to joining roma compared to when you have uh you know Mourinho and champions league football to offer so that'll be exciting in itself but i think definitely some big purchases and then the rest is dependent on, um, you know, who goes. Yeah. And I think we'll obviously have a transfer market preview probably in a couple of weeks when the season wraps and, and everything, but I don't want, I don't want to get too much into the cha- transfer market now, but I thought that was an interesting question just to, to see how massive this is for almost books. We know they still have the financial fair play regulations, but like you mentioned in there, Brandon, you want to solidify that top four spot year after year, because you're not going to win a European trophy every year to, to guarantee Champions League. It's, it's not realistic, even for the biggest clubs in Europe. You know, So we look at Liverpool this year. Even they dropped out of the top four. They're not going to be back in Champions League next year. Um, they'll, they'll be out for a year. So it happens to all the, the big sides at, at times, and Rome was going to have to find a way to solidify top four. And I think you're right. I think Scudetto becomes the next challenge because Champions League might be a bridge too far. I mean, you could make a run like Milan and Inter did this year and get a kind of a favorable draw and maybe you can make a run to the semifinals. And we, we did it a couple of years ago by beating Barcelona. Right. right? And that was completely unexpected. And maybe, you know, in a what if scenario, Roma plays that semifinal a little differently against Liverpool. Maybe a call goes their way. Maybe they end up in the final, but do you beat Real Madrid in one Oh final? Who knows? Right. So (laughs) yeah, most likely not (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) <laughs> it's like to be t- it's gonna be very difficult for Inter to beat City, right? It's kind of the same situation that you're looking at there. Um, but just so much hinges on this this EL final. So I, I guess before we go, I you know we had one one last question came in from as we were recording. Uh, where is it from Tarnier? He said both teams depend on this trophy for Champions League. Both teams with a bad season in terms of table position, which makes this even bigger, I guess. Right? Both with key players injured. What are our chances man to man available on paper? I don't know their roster that well. I'm looking at some of the names and, you know, who generally starts in these kind of matches, like against Juve in that match. And, you know, Acuna is suspended. He did get two yellows and a red against um, against Juve in the semifinal second leg. So he is out. Their World Cup winning left back. But you have players like Jesus Navas, who's playing right back and is their captain right now, who's been around for a while. Um, you know, Yusef and Nasiri. 
their striker has uh, four goals just in their time in the Europa League, which was when they dropped down from Champions League. So he's been pretty pretty good. Um, obviously, Ivan Rakitic jumps out. Um, Bade and Gudel, their two center backs, have been you know fairly high rated by SofaScore in those um, UEFA matches and when they give out their play rating. So those are some of the guys that Roma are going to be dealing with. I, I don't watch La Liga enough to know them man for man. Um, I don't know if either of you have watched them enough at all to, to, to know that any of the body besides like the big names like Rakitic and Navas and, and Acuna. But I know from a Rome perspective, I, I guess if we're looking at ahead to my probable formation piece in a couple of days, what you're looking at right now, I think the, the, the locks have to be Patricio and goal, Ibanez, Small and Mancini across the back three. I don't think Mourinho messes with that. Um, Spinazzola is a question mark right now at left back. He is, he's uh, coming off a, a, a minor injury. We'll see if he starts. Um, right back, I think Selleck gets a start over Zalewski at this point if Spinazzola plays. Otherwise, it's probably Zalewski in the left, Spinazzola on the right, uh, unless he goes with El Shirari in the left, which I think is also a possibility and maybe could be the way Mourinho goes with uh, the experience factor there. You know, I think Tammy gets the nod up front. I think Pellegrini's playing in support of him. I think the big question is Dybala. I don't think Dybala starts as much as I'd love to see him start. I, I don't think he's got the legs, which probably means Pellegrini plays that kind of lone support role. I think, and I think you're looking at a midfield of like Matic, Cristante, and Bove. And if, if Dybala is ready, then Bove kind of slides out, I think, and and Dybala starts. And I know Matic, Cristante can be a little, um, you know, redundant at times. But I think in a match like this, those are the guys that Mourinho would trust. I mean, w- where do you see maybe Roma's chances of, like, getting hurt or exploiting this team? I don't know what you guys – how much you know them besides, like, the Rakitic's of the world. Yeah, I will admit that, you know – Serie A takes up most of my time in terms of sports watching. So I will say that I know way more about Roma's weaknesses than I know about Sevilla's strengths. Given that, I agree with you, though, Steve, that I think Dybala is going to be a second-half sub. I think we're going to probably have a very similar situation to what Argentina did in the World Cup, where they knew that he wasn't really at 100%, but they also knew that they needed his ability on the pitch. So they put him in when they can. And my, my guess would probably be, assuming that Roma is able to at least keep it 0-0 and maybe make it 1-0 that we'll expect to see him on the 60th minute to kind of either put the match to bed or allow for a last-second gasp of hope. Uh, In terms of who else might be playing, yeah, I'm seeing Pellegrini in the role that you're describing. That's generally what happens when Dybala's out. I already said I hope that Bove starts, but I would not be surprised if Wijnaldum did. Uh, My main hope is that for the love of God that they do not put Nikola Zalewski as a left back. That's my one thing. Like you can make him a winger. You can make like uh, my personal opinion from what I've read is that he's more of a 10, but at this point, if you make him a winger, that's fine. But uh, I would say that overall, I'd much prefer to see Zalewski further up. As for who's starting at striker, you got to put in Abraham. Um, Belotti's just been such a dud this season that like Abraham looks like Holland in comparison uh, so you gotta you gotta start your least out of form players um, for this one, and I think that we're gonna probably see Abraham start. We're probably gonna see Rui Patricio in there. Uh, I think we're mainly gonna see our expected starting eleven. It's just a question of how much they can actually provide. Yeah, with respect to Sevilla, I mean, I don't I don't really watch them at all either. I I did watch them play Madrid on the weekend, and I kind of wish that. Acuna wasn't suspended for the final because he got another red card against Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> so we could have, we could have used him on there to, to give us a one man advantage late in the game. Um, 
but yeah, it, it's really hard to say, you know, who to exploit. I, looking at some of the players they have, um, you know, they have Lamella and Pablo Gomez coming off mm. the bench. So, you know, our old friends, both of them. Um, so if Roma are up one nothing, they have players that can come and hurt you. Um, which, you know, goes back to what we were talking about earlier with me and the be switched on for all 90 minutes, especially when you have players like that coming in. Um, in terms of Roma's formation, I think I agree with you guys personally. I would like to see um, El Shirari start in an attacking role, especially after what I saw against Fiorentina. I mean, not even to mention that he's he scored in back-to-back league games since coming back from injury, which is with a team that struggles to score like Roma, that's huge. Um, but I think just from what he saw, what I saw from like a trans creation standpoint, I really liked it. I really liked his performance. So, but I just know he's such a dynamic threat um, coming off the bench as well, especially if you're chasing the game that Mourinho likely will keep that as his, um, you know, joker to throw in if things aren't going well, in addition to Dybala, um, because I agree. I don't think that he would start, nor do I think it, would be wise for him to do so after being out for so long. So I could see a more conservative approach to start and then taking it as the the game comes. And then maybe we have something equivalent to the conference league final where we can, um, you know, sneak in a goal. And then the, the math from there kind of gets, you know, really easy for Rama. Yeah. I I can't believe I forgot Lamella and and Gomez just because I was looking at the starting lineup from the Juve match, not the the complete roster out. Lamella scored actually a big goal in that match to to put them through. And Papa, we know he can, he can hurt us. Uh, He is older now and and those guys could be kind of their jokers off the bench. Um, And it would, (laughs) it would certainly hurt to have like Lamella, you know, be the X that hurts us in this one. Cause we've seen that happen plenty of times in Serie A with X Primavera players and stuff and, and all that. I know they started the Belotti Abraham pairing in the last two matches when Dybala didn't start. I don't think Mourinho could do that again in this match. Um, I, but I, th- I think you're right. I think they play very conservative. I don't think it'd be wise to start Dybala, especially knowing this match could go 120 minutes if nobody scores or if it's one, one or something. Um, I do think they hold them out till like Jimmy said, at least the 60th minute, depending on how the match is going. If it's still zero, zero, I could even see them waiting a little bit longer. Um, if Roma's up, I could see them not bringing Dybala at all and just trying to, to milk it out and, and and get to that final whistle and save him in, in the event that maybe Sevilla can find a tying goal. It's going to be interesting. And, and that's, I think, the hardest part to manage for Mourinho is not the tactics because he's he knows his tactics. He's been here, done that. He's won finals. He's he's done it plenty of times. It's it's really that how do I manage Dybala's minutes? Pellegrini skipped this one. They said it was a minor thing that won't keep him out at all. He'll be fine on on Wednesday, but you got to, you know, keep an eye on him. If Spinazzolo is available, is he ready to go 90 minutes at, at left back? Or do you save him on the bench? That's where he's really got to got to play this um, safe a little bit. And I, I think you're right about El Shirari too. He's kind of another spark plug off the bench. If Roma, I think, does have Spinazzolo starting, I think maybe they save El Shirari. But I, I think he could be the guy that starts on the left if Spina's out just because he has that experience and he won't be overtaken by the moment not that i i don't think zaleski can handle it but out of position as well I, i'm going to take the experienced guy to position rather than the the youngster um it'll it'll be an interesting one and someone's going to have to step up for roma and, and whether that's abraham or pellegrini or maybe 
Pellegrini finding a head on a set piece. Someone's going to have to step up and find a goal because, you know, last year was on Yolo in the final. This year, Roma has not had that consistent goal score like they had in Abraham last year. Um, you know, Jimmy mentioned it. Pellegrini's, this is like his fourth semifinal now, we, or final, moving into his second final after a couple semifinals. He could be the guy. I, I mean, he has played very well, I think, the last couple matches that he has featured in the Europa League. I think he kind of steps up a little bit when Dybala doesn't play. And, I mean, if, if I had to pick a key man for this one, it might be him in, the, in this match, I think. I don't know who you guys would target. I mean, obviously the defense is going to be important because of the tactics Roma plays, but Pellegrini on a free kick or a set piece or corner kick or, or just unlocking the defense, maybe with a through ball to Abraham. I don't know. He could be the guy. I'd love for him to be the guy. I genuinely would. I feel like he has gotten so much shit over the years from Romanisti because he's not Francesco Totti uh, or Daniele De Rossi. And to be quite honest, there's just such a... There's a halo effect that those players get sometimes. And it's not that they're, they weren't incredible, but it's not like every single game was a 10 out of 10 from them. And I feel like Lorenzo Pellegrini has held up to the standard of these players who have been deified and he's told like, Hey, you're not a God. What's, what's the problem? We need to sell you. Um, so if he was able to get back to back European titles for Roma, I hope that would change the narrative. I think it only would in some respects, but I do think it could change it at least a little bit. So for me, I'm not going to pin my hopes on uh, Roma winning this one on, on Pellegrini being <laughs> the one to get the winner. There's um, one of those haters, Jim. There, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> I want that's why I didn't jump on that right away. I wanted to get both of you to get your your um stance on Pellegrini out. But I I mean I hope I'm wrong. I and I think that he's capable of doing so. I think a large part of the criticism that um that's been levied his way over the past couple of seasons has been related to his performance in big games. Um I think this season that's in part due to Dybala's presence as well, um, making his role a little bit more limited. So especially if Dybala is not starting, he does have the opportunity to be the one to, um, you know, produce that moment of magic. And as much as I'm not going to pin my hopes on that, he, he can do it. He's capable. Um, but there, there, there are a few players on the roster that can't do it. Um, Dybala, Pellegrini, El Shirari, you could see, Tammy making the difference at some point, even though he's been um, struggling for form for essentially the whole season, he's still, you still see that quality that he could potentially be the one to get the winner in the match. So it's good that that is all to say that it's good that Roma have all these options available to them. Pellegrini certainly is a candidate to be the one to make the difference. Just not the one that I would go with. Um, Having said that, who would I go with? I don't know. I, I mean, I already threw out Oshirari, but if he doesn't start, then you only have a small portion of the time to be that guy, and it's only under certain circumstances. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I, I do hope that in a week's time we can come on here and then both of you can just yell at me for my um, Pellegrini opinions for the whole hour. Yeah, we, we can gloat. Regista will have his, yeah. his day on the board, <laughs> and, and, and the world will be great for Roma. Um, yeah, I, I like the El Shirari shout, too. I think he – because he seems to have a knack for big goals for Roma um, at times uh, in his career. And, and 
please bring him back on a cheap contract if he's really willing to come back on a cheap deal. I mean, he is just consummate professional since he's come back. He's so great for the team. He, he provides a spark. He's still an exciting player to watch. So I just want to throw that in there. The other quick thing, man, I wish Solbakken was available as another option off the bench because he's been pretty good for Roma since he's been getting integrated into the side. And he's just another one of those guys that could have provided like that little extra spark off the bench. And it's kind of sad that financial fair play gets in the way of that. Guys, I'll end it on this. I don't want to give any score predictions. I, I'm sure we all would love to predict the Roma win, but I don't think anybody wants to be a, a jinx. But I'll end it with a, a kind of a fun question. What, what kit will you be wearing for the match on Wednesday, if any? I've got a uh, Totti uh, Scudetto kit that I'll be wearing. That's a, that's a good shout. Um, I have a few options. I think I'll probably go with the uh, Dybala kit from this season. Although, depending on the result, I might swap out, you know, two or three over the course of the match, <laughs> change up the change up the vibes and the juju. But um, I think I'll probably start with that one. Just, you know, this is so it. This is... Yeah, this, this is it, right? If, if the Dybala kit's going to come through for us, it's now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe with him scoring the winning goal, even better. But um, I'm just going to have to go with the, the one in my profile picture, the Mancini kit. Um, from our, our last season with Nike. I wore it for the Conference League final last year. It, it came up big, um, and we hope it comes up big for us again, and, and hopefully that that's what gets it done. Hopefully we get all the, the good vibes here. Um, we thank everybody for listening. We'll have um, a Q&A coming out on the site on Tuesday before the match, um, all of our regular match coverage. Obviously, there'll be plenty of post-match coverage. Hopefully, fingers crossed, covering another trophy coming to Rome and another victory parade, man, that would be lovely way to end the season. Um, but thanks again for listening. We thank you for those of you that submitted questions and comments. I know this one ran a bit longer than usual. We appreciate it, but this is a big match and uh, we look forward to talking about it in a, in a few days time.